Well, I'm back with another episode of Real Life Broadcasting, and I'm your host, Irvish, and welcome again. Well, today I'd like to talk to you a little bit about uh, being right and being wrong, or the righteous or the unrighteous. Uh, you know, the book of Romans is a very interesting book. Uh, I think out of uh, all the books in the New Testament, uh, Romans has so much information in it that uh, as Christians we should learn. Now, it tells us in the very first chapter of Romans 1, it's, it tells us that that Paul was not ashamed of the gospel of God, uh, that it was salvation to everyone who believed. And uh, he says that it came to the Jew first, and then also the Greek or the Gentiles, the non-Jews. And we know this uh, throughout all the New Testament that this happened. And it tells us that, uh, excuse me, for the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. You want to be right with God. You want to live a righteous life. Uh, in, in God's eyes, you want to be looked at as being righteous and not unrighteous. Then there's only one way to do it, and that's by faith. You live by faith. You know, faith is, is really trusting God and not only trusting him for your salvation, but trusting him for everything, no matter what it is. We're to trust God. I could have a little drink of coffee here this morning. Oh, good coffee again. You know, uh, Looking at the other side of the coin, uh, either you're right with God or you're wrong with God. And if you are wrong with God, if you don't believe his word, and I I mean believe every bit of his word, not just some of his word or applying portions of his word to your life or taking something totally out of context, uh, but to believe it and believe it in the right way. Uh, to put your faith and trust in it, to be holy and live a holy life. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness they surpass the truth. Well, there's either truth or lies. And I got to be honest with you, in the world today, uh, I have never seen so much lying going on. Lying's always been with us, but today it is is running rampage. It's just all over the place. I mean, every time I turn on TV, uh, try to listen to the news, uh, forget it. I'm being told lies, and uh, you know. People are deliberately doing it. And those that believe it are really uh, throwing fuel on the fire. And it spreads. And that's what's happening in the world today. You know, I look for truth. 
and all I find is lies. For what can be known about God's plans? Ah, uh, you know, if you don't pick up your Bible and read your Bible, you'll never know what is right. You'll believe those lies. And, you know, there's things that are happening in the world that we can't even see. It tells us, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, talking about God and his divine nature, all of this has been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. And in these things that have been made so that and nobody's without excuse, nobody. And the reason for that is is because God, God gave us this creation and he shows us himself in creation. So even if we didn't pick up our Bibles and we didn't read about God, we should know God just from his creation. You know, years ago I had somebody tell me, what about people that have never read the Bible or seen the Bible? Uh, is God going to hold them accountable? Yes, he will. Because he gave us creation. And all of creation speaks of God. So even without the word, we have no excuse if we don't read the Bible. So, But if you want to know the deep things of God and really understand them, then you have to pick up the Bible and read the Bible. And by faith, accept what God has told you. Don't question him. Because as soon as you question him, that's doubt and that's faithless. You know, I've seen the, you know, the illustration where you have somebody fall backwards, uh, close your eyes and fall backwards and you catch them. They put their faith that you'll do it. Uh, you know, that's exactly what God wants us to do. I'll tell you a little story about faith. Uh, and maybe you've heard it before about the crossing the Niagara Falls. And we know that people have done it, walked a tightrope and crossed it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, but there was a story that went around about a person that crossed the Niagara Falls pushing a wheelbarrow. And people stood there and watched him do it. And he went from one side to the other. And when he got to the other side, he said, well, do you believe I can cross it? No, everybody believed. And there's a lot of people in the world that believe in, in Christ and that he died for their sins. But then that person crossing the tightrope says, well, I'm going to go back to the other side, so get in the wheelbarrow and we'll go across. Now that's acting on your faith. If you say, well, I believe you can cross the tightrope, but I'm not getting in that wheelbarrow. Well, that's not proving your, your faith. But if you get in that wheelbarrow, you know that he can do it. Well, it's kind of a foolish illustration because I don't know if I'd want to get in a wheelbarrow either. But the point being that you have to trust God enough to be able to put yourself in Christ Jesus uh, because that's the only way to receive salvation. Because we can't pay the penalty for our sins because we have sinned. 
Even if we die for our sins, that won't pay the penalty. It has to be a perfect sacrifice for God. And the only perfect sacrifice, the one without sin, was Christ. So, if you want to receive salvation and put your trust in anything, you have to put it in Christ. He's the object of our faith. Uh, And you have to have the right object in order to be right with God. Well, I'd like to share a little verse or, or some scripture with you out of Romans, talking about the the ungodly, those that have not put their faith and trust in Christ. It tells us that uh, the wrath of God is on the unrighteous. For all, although they knew God, this was from creation, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they become fruitile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming themselves to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them all up to the lust of their hearts, to impurities to the dishonoring of their own bodies among themselves. I'm talking about homosexuality here. And uh, this is something that is totally against God's plan for the earth. He created both male and female. And now we have something that's happening in the world. And God has given them up. He has given them up to the lust of their hearts. Uh, to impurity. God gave them over to their sins because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they worshiped and served the creation rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Now you got to know this, that God has given them up. So if you're uh, indulging in uh, homosexual uh, acts of any kind, God has given you over to a dishonorable passion. For their women exchange the natural relationships for those who are contrary to nature. And the man, likewise, gave up the natural relationships with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameful acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. So I've had people tell me, well, homosexuality isn't wrong because they love one another and love is good. Well, the wrong kind of passion, it's not love, it's passion. And it's uh, pervertedness. And God gave them over to this. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what they ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, and they are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, uh, maliciousness, and gossips, Slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haunty, boastful, 
inventors of evil, disobeying the parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Ah, wow, that's quite a list, isn't it? Though they knew God's righteous decrees, that those who practice such things deserve to die. Ah, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. If you say that you approve of homosexuality, if you just even agree with them, you're as guilty as they are. That's what God's word says. So if somebody says that you gotta you gotta go along, the government is saying that, you know, transgenders and and homosexuality and all this is just a different lifestyle. Well, I'm telling you, anybody that agrees with even the perverted laws that are in the world are guilty before God. That's what this says. It's unbelievable. But that's exactly what it says. Now, God's righteous judgment is going to come on them. Therefore, you have no excuse, O oh man. Every one of you who judges for in passion, passing judgment on another who condemns himself. Because you, the judge, practice the same thing. If you are judging me for saying that homosexuality is wrong, you're, you're condemning yourself. We know that the judgment of God is uh, rightly falls on those who practice such things. We know that God will judge him. Do not suppose, O oh man, whom you whom judge uh, the, those who practice such things, and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God. You're not going to escape it. Uh, or do you uh, presume uh, on the riches of his kindness and forbearance? Oh, God loves me. I know he loves me. He'll forgive me if I practice these things. Well, I don't think so. Not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. You want to accept God's love? You better repent of your sin. Because without repentance, there is no hope. But because you, uh, because of your hard and uh, impenitent in heart, in other words, if you got a heart that's so hard that you can't uh, come to God, if you are so proud, uh, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He's coming, and it's coming soon. I've been talking about it on my other podcast. He's on his way. God is coming. He will render to each one according to his work, to those who, by practicing uh, in well-doing, seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. If you search for these things, you'll find them during God's word. 
But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. It's coming, and it's coming soon. Well, there will be tribulation and distress, and every human being who does evil, the Jew first, and then the Greek, doesn't make any difference, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, to the Jew first and then to the Greek, for God shows no partiality. God is not partial. Now, God's judgment and his laws. Let's just look at that. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. Speaking of the Jews or the Gentiles, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. Speaking of the Jews. For it is not the hearer of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. Now, this is telling us that we have to obey the commandments of God. Yes, it does. But we fall short. Uh, we do. We fall short. Nobody has ever kept the whole law of God, ever, except Christ Jesus. That's why we have to be in Christ. We have to put our faith in him for salvation. For when the Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law unto themselves, even though they do not have the law. So, even though the law was not given to Gentiles, they still uh, have a law unto themselves. They show that the works of the law is written in their hearts. And nobody can tell me that the law is not in their heart because God says it is. He put it there. Well, their conscience also bears witness. And their uh, conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on the day when according to my gospel, and that's what uh, Paul said, God judged all the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. See, Christ is the object and also the judge of all things. But if you call yourself a Jew and you rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law and you are sure that you yourself are the guide to the blinds, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having the law, you know, that in, in embodiment of knowledge and truth. You then teach others. Do you not teach yourself also? You know, you can't teach somebody else without teaching yourself. Everything that I teach, I teach myself. While you preach against stealing, do you steal? Do you say that 
one must not commit adultery. Do you commit adultery? You who harbor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. And God was speaking directly to the Jews when he said that. For circumcision, that was a mark of being a Jew. For the circ circumcision, indeed, is of value if you obey the law. So if you're a Jew, your value is in the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcised. You see, nobody's ever kept the whole law, only Christ. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? See, God is trying to make it known that there is no distinction between the Jew and the Gentile. Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you, condemn the Jew, who have the written code and the circumcision by breaking the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is a circumcision outward and physical, but the Jew is one inwardly and circumcised in the matters of the heart, not the flesh, the heart, by the spirit, uh, not by the letter of the law. His praise is not from man, but from God. Beautiful words. Well, you know, we actually looked at the things that are in Romans 1 and 2. But I always liked Romans 3, because God's righteousness upholds people. It upheld. Then what advantage is the Jew? Or what is the value of circumcision? Much in every way. You know, that circumcision was important to God. To begin with, the Jew was entrusted with the oracles of God. You know, when God chose a nation, one nation out of all the nations on the earth, and he called them his people, and he worked with them, he led them out of bondage. He was with them all through their journey through the desert. And all these are pictures of us Christians. Right now, we're in a desert, and God is leading us, and he's feeding us, and he's taking care of us just like he did to Jews in the Old Testament. Well, it says much in every way. To begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. God gave them the law. And we Gentiles, we non-Jews, have to look to the law that God gave to the Jews for perfection. Now, I know I've never, you know, uh, obeyed the whole law, and there's so many laws I don't even know about. You know, the, the dietary laws and all those other laws that God had given them. Well, what if some were unfaithful? Does their unfaithful will nullify the faithfulness of God? By no means. 
Let God be true, and let everyone be a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. That's what God says. But the unrighteous, you know, they really show the righteousness of God. You know, if we didn't have unrighteous people, we wouldn't know what righteousness is. You know, and that's, that's, that's kind of a hard thought to think about, that God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us. I speak as a, in a human way. That's what Paul said when he wrote those words. But no means, no means. For then, how could God judge the world? But if through my lie, God's truth abounds to his glory, why am I still being condemned as a sinner? Well, I'll tell you why. And why do you do evil that good may come? As some people slanderously charge us with saying they condemn uh, condemnation is just. No, you know, there's nobody righteous. None of us are. You know, and this is right out of the Old Testament. This is quoted by Paul. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jew and Gentile, are under sin. And then he goes on and tells us how it was written in the Old Testament as it was written. And I've quoted these verses many times. None is righteous. No, not one. Now, if you think yourself righteous in your deeds, think again. It says no one is righteous. No, not one. No, no one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together, they have become worthless. No one does good not even one. And their throats are an open grave. And they use the tongue to deceive. The venom of asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their path are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known and there is no fear of God in their eyes. I've been going through the book of Proverbs, and it says the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. But mankind, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those that are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Because the law came, it taught us something. It taught us that we're sinners. It taught us that we cannot do anything. We're at God's mercy. The wrath of God is going to be poured out on us. Even if we try to obey the law, the wrath of God is still going to come upon us. Because for by the works of the law, no human being will be justified 
in his sight, since through the law came the knowledge of sin. You understand that verse? The law cannot save you. I don't care if you you call yourself a Jew or a non-Jew and you're uh, doing everything in your power to obey all the laws, which is good, but in itself it will not save you. It's the righteousness of God through faith. That's how you get saved. And that's the only way to get saved. Well, let me just share how to do this. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, they tell us about it, the righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Put your faith, put your belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. That's what Paul told a Philippian jailer. He said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And all Paul said to him and Silas, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy household. And he was saved. The Philippian jailer was saved. Well, for there is no distinction. I don't care if you're Jew or Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by, by his grace, by God's grace, as a gift. And do you pay anything for a gift? No, it's free. And it's God's gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put for, forward as a propitiation. That's a big word, but it's basically, he's our substitute. Uh, God poured a, yeah, his wrath out on his own son because his son was our propitiation. He was our substitute. And by his blood uh, to be received by faith. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. That's what it tells us. So blood had to be shed to pay the penalty for our sins. And Christ shed his precious blood. And we receive it by faith. <clears throat> Excuse me. This was to show God's righteousness. That's why it was done this way. Because in his divine forbearance, he has passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just at the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Well, then what becomes of our boasting? Do we say, well, I obeyed the law I done what was right in God. I'm not like those other sinners. Where's our boasting? It says it's excluded, completely excluded. By what kind of law? By the law of works? No. No. But by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith, apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? He is not, of the, not the God of the Gentiles also? 
Yes, he is. Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since God is one, who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith? Do we not overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. We uphold the law of God. Wow. Just the faith, our faith, upholds the law. You know, Abraham, and this goes back before the law, was justified by faith. Well, what then? Shall we say that what was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by the works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? And what does it say? It says Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Plain and simple. He believed God, and it was counted as righteousness. Now to one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. If you go out and get a job, and your boss tells you to do this and do that, uh, you're doing it by works. You're working to get paid. But if, if you come to your boss and the boss says, well, you take the day off, I'll pay you anyway. That's a gift. That's a gift. And there's a big difference between a wage and a gift. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessings of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. And just listen to this. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Well, let me ask you this. Are you one that has found grace in the eyes of the Lord? Just like in, in before the flood, God was going to destroy all mankind, but just because of this verse, but Noah, who was just as guilty as the rest of the people on earth, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And you know, I can't put my name in there. Hervish found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He did. He revealed all these things to me. And I'm telling you them so God is revealing this to you too. Well, I'm going to end my podcast right here. I could go on with Romans, but uh, Romans is a great book, and I would encourage you to read it and to learn it and to uh, really study it. Uh, it's been a blessing to me, and I love love the book of Romans. Uh, and all this is realized through faith. Uh, you know, we see uh, for the promises to Abraham and his offspring. Uh, to become heirs. Uh, and it was all done because of faith. 
Righteousness comes through faith. For in it adheres the law and are to be heirs. Faith is nullified by the promises, is void. For the law brings wrath. And that's what the law does. It tells us of our sins and we are guilty. But when there is no law, there is no transgression. But we know that there is law. And then we de we depend on it, on faith. That's where our dependence is. And faith in the right object. And that object is Christ Jesus. And he's our guarantee. Uh, and it's imputed to us. Imputation. God's righteousness has been given to us as a gift. And our sins were placed on him. He became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. That's what the word tells us. Think about that. Think about it. God being sinless and totally hating sin. God, the Father, poured his wrath out on his own Son, who was bearing our sins in his body. He bore them for us, that we might have the righteousness of God imputed and put on our account. Okay, with that, I'm going to end my podcast, and uh, till next time. Have a great day. Lord bless. Bye for now.